Chapter Eight of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter Eight. Domestic Pleasures Planned. I think, my dear," said Mrs. Temple, laying her hand on her husband's arm as they were walking together in the garden. I think next Wednesday is Charlotte's birthday. Now I have formed a little scheme in my own mind to give her an agreeable surprise, and if you have no objection, we will send for her home on that day. Temple pressed his wife's hand in token of approbation, and she proceeded. You know the little alcove at the bottom of the garden of which Charlotte is so fond? I have an inclination to deck this out in a fanciful manner and invite all her little friends to partake of a collation of fruit, sweetmeats, and other things suitable to the general taste of young guests. And to make it more pleasing to Charlotte, she shall be mistress of the feast and entertain her visitors in this alcove. I know she will be delighted, and to complete all, they shall have some music and finish with a dance. A very fine plan indeed, said Temple, smiling. And you really suppose I will wink at your indulging the girl in this manner? You will quite spoil her, Lucy. Indeed, you will. She is the only child we have, said Mrs. Temple, the whole tenderness of a mother adding animation to her fine countenance, but it was withal tempered so sweetly with the meek affection and submissive duty of the wife that, as she paused expecting her husband's answer, he gazed at her tenderly and found he was unable to refuse her request. She is a good girl, said Temple. She is indeed, replied the fond mother exultingly, a grateful, affectionate girl and I am sure she will never lose sight of the duty she owes her parents. If she does, said he, she must forget the example set her by the best of mothers. Mrs. Temple could not reply, but the delightful sensation that dilated her heart sparkled in her intelligent eyes and heightened the vermilion on her cheeks. Of all the pleasures of which the human mind is sensible, there is none equal to that which warms and expands the bosom when listening to commendations bestowed on us by a beloved object and are conscious of having deserved them. Ye giddy flutterers in the fantastic round of dissipation who eagerly seek pleasure in the lofty dome, rich treat, and midnight revel, tell me, ye thoughtless daughters of folly, have ye ever found the phantom you have so long sought with such unremitted assiduity? Has she not always eluded your grasp, and when you have reached your hand to take the cup she extends to her deluded votaries, have you not found the long-expected draft strongly tinctured with the bitter dregs of disappointment? I know you have. I see it in the wan cheek, sunken eye, and air of chagrin, whichever mark the children of dissipation. Pleasure is a vain illusion. She draws you on to a thousand follies, errors, and I may say vices, and then leaves you to deplore your thoughtless credulity. 
Look, my dear friends, at yonder lovely virgin, arrayed in a white robe devoid of ornament. Behold the meekness of her countenance, the modesty of her gait. Her handmaidens are humility, filial piety, conjugal affection, industry, and benevolence. Her name is content. She holds in her hand the cup of true felicity, and when once you have formed an intimate acquaintance with these her attendants, nay, you must admit them as your bosom friends and chief counselors, then, whatever may be your situation in life, the meek-eyed virgin will immediately take up her abode with you. Is poverty your portion? She will lighten your labors, preside at your frugal board, and watch your quiet slumbers. Is your state mediocrity? She will heighten every blessing you enjoy by informing you how grateful you should be to that bountiful providence whom might have placed you in the most abject situation, and by teaching you to weigh your blessings against your deserts, show you how much more you receive than you have a right to expect. Are you possessed of affluence? What an inexhaustible fund of happiness she will lay before you, to relieve the distressed, redress the injured, in short, to perform all good works of peace and mercy. Content, my dear friends, will blunt even the arrows of adversity, so that they cannot materially harm you. She will dwell in the humblest cottage. She will attend you even to a prison. Her parent is religion, her sisters patience and hope. She will pass with you through life, smoothing the rough paths, and tread to earth those thorns which every one must meet with as they journey onward to the appointed goal. She will soften the pains of sickness, continue with you even in the cold, gloomy hour of death, and, cheating you with the smiles of her heaven-born sister, Hope, lead you triumphant to a blissful eternity. I confess I have rambled strangely from my story, but what of that? If I have been so lucky as to find the road to happiness, why should I be such a niggard as to omit so good an opportunity of pointing out the way to others? The very basis of true peace of mind is a benevolent wish to see all the world as happy as oneself, and from my soul do I pity the selfish churl who, remembering the little bickerings of anger, envy, and fifty other disagreeables to which frail mortality is subject, would wish to revenge the affront which pride whispers him he has received. For my own part, I can safely declare there is not a human being in the universe whose prosperity I should not rejoice in, and to whose happiness I would not contribute to the utmost limit of my power. And may my offenses be no more remembered in the day of general retribution than, as from my soul, I forgive every offense or injury received from a fellow creature. Merciful Heaven, who would exchange the rapture of such a reflection for all the gaudy tinsel which the world calls pleasure? But to return. Content dwelt in Mrs. Temple's bosom and spread a charming animation over her countenance as her husband led her in to lay the plan she had formed for the celebration of Charlotte's birthday before Mr. Eldridge. 
End of chapter 8 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas